Bankless Nation, it's just about the end of 2023 and we are entering 2024. It's predictions time. We've got to make our New Year's predictions. We've got 15 of them today with Matt Siegel. He's the head of digital assets at FanEck. Fantastic predictions that span whether we're going to have a recession, uh, talk about Bitcoin, whether we're going to get to all-time highs, DeFi, ETH versus Solana, all of the things. David, were you surprised by any of these predictions? Some of them are extremely precise. Not only did we get a Bitcoin all-time high prediction, which is safe, but we got the day, the day of the Bitcoin all-time high breaking, (laughs) which is uh, extremely specific. Uh, Some predictions for out of left field, some D-pin predictions, uh, some predictions about accounting and how that's actually helpful for our our bags. And if you are in the middle of the Solana versus Ethereum narrative wars, we got some predictions here for you as well. So uh, whether you believe these predictions uh, is up to you. They are all entertaining. None of them are financial advice. So let's go ahead and get into all of these predictions from Matthew Siegel. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our preferred exchange for crypto in 2023 and 2024 it's just around the corner if you're not having an account with kraken consider clicking the links in the show notes to getting started with kraken today kraken knows crypto kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade and as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be human history is a story of progress it's part of us hardwired we're designed to seek change everywhere to improve to strive and if anything can be improved why not finance crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind instant permissionless and 24 7. it's not perfect and nothing ever will be perfect but crypto is a world-changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most that's the kraken mission to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion head on over to kraken.com bankless to see what crypto can be not investment advice crypto trading involves risk of loss cryptocurrency services are provided to us and us territory customers by payward ventures Inc. pvi doing business as kraken arbitrum is the leading ethereum scaling solution that is home to hundreds of decentralized centralized applications. Arbitrum's technology allows you to interact with Ethereum at scale with low fees and faster transactions. Arbitrum has the leading DeFi ecosystem, strong infrastructure options, flourishing NFTs, and is quickly becoming the Web3 gaming hub. Explore the ecosystem at portal.arbitrum.io. Are you looking to permissionlessly launch your own Arbitrum Orbit chain? Arbitrum Orbit allows anyone to utilize Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Orbit chain, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated through Whether you are a developer, an enterprise, or a user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Visit Arbitrum.io and get your journey started in one of the largest Ethereum communities. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared his excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one-block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. 
Bankless Nation, I hope you are ready for some predictions for 2024. What will the next year bring? Well, we have the perfect person to tell us. Matt Siegel, he's the head of digital asset research at Van Eck. He's been there since 2021. Van Eck has been totally doubling down. I, I would say tripling down on crypto lately, particularly in the research that they've uh, been presenting. We had Matt on the podcast uh, a, a few months ago, uh, and now he's back again with some of these fantastic predictions. By the way, Toward the end of this episode, I think Matt's got some really interesting news for us with respect to the Bitcoin spot ETF, okay? So we'll save that as the cherry on top at the end of the episode. First, we're going to get to the predictions. Matt, welcome to Bankless. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back, guys. Okay, so uh, let's talk about these predictions. You got 15. Before we get into the first one, we're just going to go go to the order and kind of grill you on each. Um where did what what's the genesis for these predictions? Have have you guys done this in in previous year and like how'd you come up with these things? Yeah, we we did it last year. I'd say our our track record is uh is mixed on uh how how it all turned <laughs> out, but it's it's really helpful for an investor to kind of like lay out a roadmap of how things may develop and then adjust your positioning as the facts change. So uh, Jan asked for predictions and uh, here they are, but you know, to, a little disclaimer is that we're really stepping into the realm of, of speculation here. Um, but in this asset class, uh, imagination is uh, not a luxury but a necessary uh -huh. locomotive. Um, so, you know, I understand the skepticism that will surround these predictions. Send your complaints into the arena uh, where I will find them. Wait, wait, where's the arena? Is that on Twitter? We're, where we're all good right complaints now. go? <laughs> okay. In the, the YouTube comments, sphere. I guess. <laughs> yeah, get get mad at Bankless if, if if you're upset at these. Okay, let's talk about the first one. Um, this one was a little upsetting to me. I got to be honest, Matt. So prediction one, the US recession will finally arrive but so will the first spot Bitcoin ETF. Over 2.4 billion may flow into these ETFs in Q1 2024 to support Bitcoin's price. It's not the second part of that that uh, makes me nervous. It's the first part. So you guys think the US re recession will arrive sometime in 2024. Explain that one. Yeah, I mean, this may come off as uh, kind of crying wolf, as everyone's been calling for a recession for a year now. But when you look at the data, uh, the economic momentum has been slowing for months, uh, and that creates an economy that's more vulnerable to shocks. So leading indicators are now in recessionary territory. There's been 19 consecutive months of leading uh, indicator declines. That's close to a record. Uh, we've got commodities and shares of retailers both struggling. Uh, employment is softening. Corporate bankruptcy filings are back to early COVID levels. And the yield curve is inverted, uh, but steepening in recent weeks. So these are all very late cycle dynamics. Uh, you can see it with dimensions of soft landing in the media, which have spiked as they often do before an, an official recession is called. It, crypto and Bitcoin have, have really only experienced one official U.S. recession, uh, Q1 of 2020, during which Bitcoin fell 60% peak to trough. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how much that matters this time. It may be an irrelevant prediction, but, uh, you know, we are prepared for, for volatility in the first half of the year. And that would line up with some of the price action that surrounded kind of pre-having Bitcoin uh, in previous cycles as well. So, so Matt, if we see that recession, are you predicting the first half or second half? Because, you know, uh, we've got an election going on in the U.S. next year too, which, uh, you know, makes, uh, there's definitely some political incentive to defer the recession as long as possible. 
I, I think the recession will be backdated to Q4. They tend to last one to two quarters. So we're out of it and spending ad dollars on uh, election ads in Q3 and Q4, that typically lines up with uh, pretty positive markets. All right, going into the next prediction in the list, uneventful fourth Bitcoin having, of course, the Bitcoin having not a prediction. We all know exactly where that's coming. But um, Matt, tell us about the specific nature of this Bitcoin having. What are the predictions you're making around this Bitcoin having? So this is a pretty easy one. Uh, the prediction is that the having will proceed without a major fork or missed blocks in April 2024. Uh, and as the new coin issuance gets cut in half, we'll, we'll, we will see unprofitable miners disconnect. They will cede market share to those with low cost power. Uh, and then after a period of digestion, the Bitcoin price should rally sharply. One difference about this cycle than previous cycles that we can, will be able to observe in the markets is uh, that publicly traded Bitcoin miners. So these are the stocks that you can buy like Riot and Marathon, like Phoenix that just went public in Abu Dhabi and is now the biggest Bitcoin miner by market cap in the world. These listed miners currently control a record percentage of the hash rate. It's more than 25%. And they, they almost all went bankrupt last year. Mm. So they've emerged from bankruptcy with much better balance sheets. There's very little debt uh, among these companies, and they should be set up for better performance next year. Is that why you're saying significant gains for those low-cost miners? Those are the the miners you're you're talking about. And what, why does the does the halvening benefit them? Because it seems like their revenue is getting uh, cut. Or are you just saying the the market for miners are are healthier at this point, and you're expecting? Some yeah, the, the overall market for miners is healthier with stronger balance sheets. They should be able to deal with the having better than in previous cycles. But I think the distinction that we're drawing here is that there's a couple of publicly traded miners, namely CleanSpark and Riot, that have a cost base which is well below other peers. Uh, and so the call is is if we do have a kind of a trickier Q1, then It'll be those guys who have low electricity costs and better balance sheets that will outperform the field. And then after the halving, assuming the Bitcoin price acts as expected, then the the miners with trickier balance sheets, higher cost electricity may take the lead. The typical meme around the happening is that, well, we have half as much Bitcoin being issued and going to the market, therefore bullish. Uh, but that's uh, not a very sophisticated take because there's one more variable in that, which is, well, the miners actually decide when they're going to sell that Bitcoin. And I think over the last year, miners historically um, are known to be actually pretty good traders if you like interpret them as like when they decide to sell and when they decide to hold. Uh, is there anything you can add about this nature of Bitcoin coming onto the market that is like miners electing to take on debt in this present moment of the market cycle so that they can hold their Bitcoin to sell it at a higher uh, price and later? Is there any indication or information you can share here? The investors in the public markets don't want to see these miners take on debt. Uh, because they all went bankrupt last cycle. So we, we have seen some large purchases of uh, ASICs. We saw one today, Riot announced a, a big deal, uh, but their net cash, uh, Riot is. So it, it's, not, um, it's not a debt problem. It's just that uh, being net cash, having low cost power is enabling Riot to uh, hit the pedal on the gas and buy some more, more machines to try to set up these market share gains that are possible in that post-having period when the higher cost operators may be forced to shut down and stop mining. 
Okay, prediction number three, here we go. Bitcoin will make an all-time high, I like those words, in Q4 2024. Pretty narrow time frame. Yeah, potentially <laughs> spurred by uh, political events and regulatory shifts following a U.S. presidential election. So we know we're getting a U.S. Uh, presidential election, at least I sincerely hope that's the case. Um, <laughs> potentially spurred by political events and regulatory shifts. So all-time high for Bitcoin by Q4 of 2024. And this is despite the recession prediction. Can you explain that one, Matt? Yeah, so uh, I think we'll get to the uh, more details around the ETF at, at the at the end here, um, and you know that should keep the price somewhat supported in Q1. So even if we get a recession, I'm not calling for a dump, but the main call is that in the second half, Bitcoin will climb this presidential-sized wall of worry. Uh, the the percentage of the global population that will be voting in legislative and presidential elections next year will hit an all-time high. We've got data going back to 1800. Next year, 45% of all humans on the earth will vote in elections. Uh, again, that's an all-time high. You know, With uh, that typically comes high volatility and the prospect for significant change. So we see mounting evidence that voters and courts are rejecting the anti-growth agenda of the green lobby. Uh, so we expect a combative election, but Donald Trump to prevail with 290 electoral votes, regain the presidency. That will, of course, raise optimism that the SEC's hostile regulatory approach will be dismantled. And maybe I'm being too cute with the timing, but I'm calling for an all-time high for Bitcoin on November 9th. That will be exactly three years to the day from its last all-time high. <laughs> and if you remember, Bitcoin's yeah. breakout in November 2020 also came exactly three years to the day from its November 7, uh, 2017 top. Uh, and All then right, the cherry on back. the top, cherry <laughs> on the top, if BTC reaches 100K by December, Satoshi Nakamoto, Time Magazine, Man of the Year. All <laughs> right, all right. Wait, is that three this. predictions there? So, uh, Matt, you not only did you call a date, you also called Bitcoin high, and you also called uh, Trump uh, as the presidential uh, winner, and then you you, you called the t the uh, magazine cover of Time. That's like that's at least three there, my friend. I, wish list predictions, you know, they start to <laughs> blend a little bit when you're fully invested in this asset class. All right. All right. Let's keep this going. Ethereum's market position behind Bitcoin. You are predicting that Ethereum will not flip Bitcoin in 2024. Flipping is not on the menu next year, but still will outperform tech stocks. Unpack this one for us. Sure. I, I remember being on a stage with you, David, a couple of years ago, and there, we were in asked, York, right? uh, yeah, that's right. And, you know, uh -huh. will ETH flip Bitcoin? Everyone on the stage raised their hand and I said, no, I'm going to stick with it. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a flex, David. No, it won't, won't ever or no, it won't soon. <laughs> Not next year. Not next, not next year. year. Oh, sure. Yeah. I can get behind that, sadly. Yeah. It's Matt, like, David is not wrong yet, okay? <laughs> He's not wrong yet. <laughs> uh, you know, my call is that there's there's more money in TradFi looking to get involved in crypto than there is in crypto that can be recycled. And in the current regulatory regime, Bitcoin's regulatory status is unique and its energy intensity is also unique and it's the energy intensity that is attracting this interest from quasi-state entities in latin america in the middle east in argentina uh, so we expect argentina will join el salvador the uae 
Oman and Bhutan as the fifth country to sponsor Bitcoin mining at the state level. We expect Argentina's state-owned energy giant YPF will mine digital assets using stranded methane and gas. Uh, and so similar to past cycles, in, during a halving year, Bitcoin will lead the market and then Post-having, the value will, will flow into smaller tokens. Um, so ETH will start outperforming Bitcoin post-having. It may outperform for the year, but it's a high hurdle on a, on a flippening. And we also expect ETH will lose market share to other smart contract platforms with less uncertainty surrounding their scalability roadmap like Solana. Okay, hold on. This is... Uh not the same sounds that I've heard other people predict, make predictions around the Bitcoin ETF and, and Ethereum ETF. Uh, Ethereum, ESG you know, friendly, ESG approved compared to Bitcoin because of Bitcoin's energy consumption. Also, external like trad investors enjoy Ethereum more because of its similarity to a high growth tech stock in comparison to Bitcoin. And so what some of the rumblings I've heard is that um, when we have both a Bitcoin and an Ethereum ETF, Ethereum will have outsized flows versus Bitcoin in relation to its market cap. Uh, what would you say All to right. this alternative? I'll, I'll push position? back on that. I'll push back okay. on that. The first is that um, I, I don't believe in ESG. I think the ESG narrative is fading. Uh, the courts in Canada have dismantled Trudeau's green agenda. Uh, the UK prime minister has backed away from their green agenda. South Korea has just reinstituted plastic straws, baby. So that story is going away, right? Bullish carbon and use. Wow. The, other, <laughs> the other wrinkle here is that, especially for these ETFs in the US, it doesn't appear like there will be staking uh, involved mm. in those ETFs mm -hmm. because of the regulatory uncertainty. Uh, so I'm not sure that the, the product will have quite the same appeal as the buy and hodl Bitcoin ETF, at least in the early days. And Matt, Matt, do you think that uh, Ethereum will get an ETF in 2024? Like, what's your over under on that prediction? It's not one of your 15, I don't think, but I'm curious about that. I do. I do. I think the, the deadlines for the SEC to rule on the spot applications that are pending, which include ours, is May. So th there is some time. So that'll be good for Ethereum, and you're you're saying that in this prediction, not good enough to flip in uh, Bitcoin, and not good enough to preserve its market share in the face of uh, what you call growing competition from other smart contract platforms. That's that's the prediction for 2024. Precisely. Okay, so that kind of seems to fit under the general sentiment that Ethereum is just squeezed. You got the bigger bigger brother capturing a lot of attention on the trad side of things. And then you have Solana, which is like the shiny new fast toy on the crypto side of things. Are you saying that you're in line with this kind of like vibe of the crypto space in the present moment? Yeah, I mean, I think that ETH is gonna outperform BTC for next year. I just think that most of that outperformance will come in the second half of the year. Um, and, you know, we can we can get into with the next one why that's the case, but it, it, there's a lot that has to do with ETH's roadmap. So prediction number five, post, and this is what I love about uh, this new VanEck that I'm seeing. Maybe you guys were always doing this, but I, I didn't realize you were going this deep on crypto. And it's great to see. Um, post EIP 4844 implementation, Ethereum layer twos will capture the majority of EVM compatible TVL and trading volume. Of course, as crypto natives, we understand what EIPs are. Uh, and we've defined what this is many times. We've got entire episodes on EIP 4844. But tell me about this prediction. So you're saying Ethereum layer twos will capture the majority of EVM compatible uh, TVL, total value locked, so assets under management in these chains, and trading volume. What's uh, what, what are the details there? Well, as you guys have covered uh, so well, 
Ethereum will have a fork next year. Uh, this fork will reduce transaction fees dramatically and improve scalability for layer two chains like Polygon, Arbitrum, Optimism, and others. Uh, so one of the challenges of uh, managing assets in this space as the L2s have come to market is that the market share has been super volatile and investors have just been kind of going where the airdrops will be. Uh, and it's hard to allocate capital if you have to change your mind every couple months, especially when you're managing a decent amount of money and the space is not that liquid. Uh, so I'd say my, my confidence level on this prediction is perhaps lower than the others, but our call is that within one year of the Ethereum fork, the upgrade, EIP 4844, Ethereum L2s will consolidate down to two to three dominant players as measured by value and usage. And one of those players will achieve a higher monthly DEX volume and TVL than the ETH mainnet for the first time. And collectively, Ooh. those chains may cool. accumulate 2x the DEX volume of Ethereum. Right now, that ratio is 0.8x. Uh, and 10x the number of transactions, as you know, right now that ratio is about five. So this is this is predicting that one of Ethereum's layer twos will actually be a stronger settlement layer than Ethereum itself, at least in not, terms not of on-chain dex acti I would, activity. I wouldn't say se that settlement because yeah, it still settles back to Ethereum. Sure, exactly. Layer two. Exactly. But 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 it does predict. You are predicting more of kind of like power law winners in the layer two space rather than just we have thousands of chains. And it, you know, like all of these layer twos and the TVL is distributed across these hundreds or thousands of chains. Yes, by volume. Now, by users, uh, the long tail uh, may not, you know, it, by users, there may be still plenty in the long tail, but by assets, we think it'll consolidate. So, Matthew, I can tell you about like 10 different layer twos that are very, very different from the optimistic rollups like Arbitrum and Optimism that we know, or even the ZK rollups like Polygon that are coming onto the scene. There's FHE based layer twos. There is Solana Virtual Machine based layer twos. There's privacy layer twos, just like a splattering of new flavors of layer twos. And what you're saying is that the layer two Cambrian explosion of different flavors, nah, no, we're getting consolidation, not growth. Yeah, I mean, all that liquidity fragmentation is suboptimal, and eventually uh, it, it, there's no choice but to accelerate the dominance of the winning L2s. And that's already occurred in indexes, right, where Uniswap, Pancake, Curve, the three of those are 80% of DEX volumes in 2023. So, um, you know, we're going to make the call that that same market cons consolidation will occur across L2s. We think Arbitrum and Optimism are probably the main contenders there. I can't wait to ask you about uh, power law winners of ETFs, by the way, Matt. But but again, that's a tease. Toward, toward the end, we'll get there. Sorry, David. Go ahead. Number six. Number six, NFT activity peaks to new heights. NFTs are coming back, Matthew. I know we've seen a few NFTs pick up in Steam, but NFTs across the board, the entire sector is coming back to life. What's this one? Yeah, Vanek intern laughed at us about this one, but we are sticking to it. NFT uh, activity will rebound to an all-time high. Uh, we think the activity will gravitate towards the top collections on ETH, uh, better crypto games, and importantly, new Bitcoin-based offerings. So uh, if I were to tell you that kind of since inception, uh, the issuance value of NFTs ETH to Bitcoin is a 50 to one ratio, five zero mm -hmm. to one. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last month, that ratio is one to one. So we're making a call that for 2024. In terms of quantity or value? Value. Value of the NFTs. Yep. 
at okay. the mint. So we're going to make a call that for 2024, that ratio will be three to one ETH to BTC, which is still enormous progress for Bitcoin. What the heck? So Bitcoin, the NFT platform, that's what you're saying. Yeah, hang on. I'm calling, I'm calling some six. flubby weird numbers here. Bitcoin NFT minting is just like a super weird metric to measure. How do we, how do we actually measure the value of these things? Because we're talking about ordinals, right? Among others, ordinals, inscriptions, uh, we're using the good folks at CryptoSlam uh, for their data on that number. I, I don't think that's a weird, like you can definitely measure uh, the value minted along with like existing value. Like both are uh, not comprehensive measurements, but both are uh, definitely measurements. So in, the, in November, uh, that number was 319 million for, for Ethereum, 363 million for uh, Bitcoin. So there's, there's a flippening. When you say Ethereum, are you talking, are you including the L2s and as well in, in kind of the Ethereum number? Or are you just talking about um, like mainnet Ethereum when you're, I when believe you're doing that, that incorporates L2s. We might have to wow. check that for you. That's a big, that's a big bull prediction on uh, Bitcoin. Okay. So uh, prediction number seven, let's talk about this. Binance will lose its number one position for spot trading with competitors like OKX, Bybit, Coinbase, and BitGet contending for leadership. Coinbase's future market may exceed 1 billion daily volume as red, as regulated index inclusion becomes key. Okay, so Binance without CZ, I guess now uh, everyone knows that, of course, he's, he's no longer the leader of Binance, is going to lose its number one position for spot trading. It's maintained that for a number of years, certainly maintained it during the last bull cycle. Explain, explain yourself, Matt. This is an easy one. Um, uh, nobody likes a colonoscopy, and Binance is about to have a three-year colonoscopy <laughs> with the DOJ up their ass, uh, checking all of the data. And we don't think investors are going to be too keen on uh, putting their largest trades on that platform. Uh, so we think they'll lose share. The, I, the, the point of that prediction about uh, index inclusion, I just want to spend uh, a minute on. One of the unique um, uh, dynamics in this Bitcoin ETF uh, uh, battle is that um, the SEC objects to market manipulation of Bitcoin, right? They think that uh, Binance was using its own wholly owned market makers to wash trade coins back and forth between itself and that, that a lot of that volume is fake. And if you look at the underlying indices that the ETF sponsors are using to track the price of Bitcoin, there's CF benchmarks, there's Coindesk indices, uh, Vanek owns a company called Market Vectors, which, ha which is an index uh, uh, manufacturer. Those indices have to decide what prices are they going to use to calculate Bitcoin. And the regulator doesn't want them to use Binance prices. Mm -hmm. So if you mm -hmm. look at the exchanges whose prices are included in the feed that constitutes the Bitcoin ETF, no Binance. And we think that, and it's a very small handful of exchanges that are included uh, because the, the SEC wants to see these surveillance sharing agreements, data sharing between the listing exchange, call it NASDAQ or CBOE, and the crypto exchange. Um, you know, Binance is not going to be approved for that. And being approved for that is key. Uh, that's why Coinbase really sits in the catbird seat among uh, U.S. players. So part of this prediction, I think, is bullish coin, the Coinbase uh, stock on the on the public market. And coin, the story of coin has, uh, over the last like six weeks or so, is up 76%. 
what, where is, how, is this like kind of a one-to-one -one transfer of value from Binance to Coinbase, would you say? Because like, Are you trying uh, to get or, a bonus prediction here, David, on the price of yeah, coin? Yeah, I'm trying to, what, what's the impact on Coinbase's valuation? <laughs> it's bullish for Coinbase. Uh, they should be a market share. They've been gaining market share all year. Uh, they should gain more market share next year. Um, profitable uh, cash on the balance sheet. They can pay back that debt. Uh, they've got the custody uh, business. They're doing the custody for the vast majority of the ETF sponsors. Um, it's, I think it's a pretty clean and obvious story with a lack of other stocks in the market to buy for large cap TradFi PMs. Uh, we like Coinbase a lot here. I, I, what I heard from that was uh, all-time high coin, Coinbase stock by uh, Q, Q4. What do you think, David? Is that what you heard? <laughs> Is that in the predictions, Matthew? Not in there. That, that's <laughs> Not in there. I can't hold them to it, though. All right, coming up next, stablecoin market cap hits record high with USDC market share recovery. Usually, the sentiment around USDC hasn't been great as USDC has kind of just bled into uh, flows into Tether. Like every dollar that USDC seems to lose, Tether seems to pick up. Uh, you're calling for a reversal of this. Un unpack this prediction for us, Matt. Yep. So we see total value of stable coins on chain uh, reaching an all-time high above $200 billion. It's currently $128 billion. Uh, we see um, a number of regulated stable coins that will launch in Europe uh, in line with uh, Europe's new Mika regulation. Uh, we're seeing a proliferation of yield-bearing stable coins and uh, the first quarter-over-quarter quarter rebound in stablecoin market cap uh, in a couple of years. So the more, the more I think that, you know, stablecoins reaching an all-time high, not such a controversial prediction. More controversially uh, is the one that USDC will flip Tether. Uh, so we think there's going to be more institutional adoption this year, and those institutions will reveal a preference for USDC that we can already see on some of the newer L2 chains. I'm curious to your guys' thoughts on that. Wait, wait, um, wait. So you think that not only this, because this isn't in the at least the Twitter version of these predictions, Matt, you're also saying that USDC will flip Tether? That's a hot that's, prediction. That that's a even, hot take. That's even more bold. Well, there's a catalyst for that. Uh, and it involves a uh, three-letter acronym called DOJ. Uh, ah. That's another prediction. There's That's another also one. super There's hot. another acronym, KYC. Uh, you might have heard of that one. Uh, so, you know, the, the lawmakers are asking for uh, the USDOJ to take action uh, against Justin Sun and Tron. Um, mm. You know, that, okay, that so could be a catalyst. I mean, last okay. week, I mean, we, we were just talking about this earlier this week. Um, like Justin a, Sun is uh, the last big uh, dubious character in crypto that seems to be unscathed. Well, but but Treasury, Treasury is actually talking about uh, Tether specifically at this point, like specifically. So this is a prediction of uh, kind of some action, I would guess. Like, uh, can, can I, and you also say in this, in this prediction that, uh, emerging layer twos will be a catalyst for USDC. And we certainly see that, like you can imagine that is, that is part of the reason Coinbase decided to launch its base chain as, as a layer two to kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, push out, uh, USDC everywhere. But I want to ask another question, like part of the reason I think that there's been kind of a, a vacuuming of liquidity out of stable coins is because we don't have a tokenized version of a treasury on chain at this point. And so like, I don't necessarily want to keep my funds in, in stable coins. If I can go to a mutual fund and get, you know, my yield, I get my five, collect my 
percent courtesy of of the Jerome Powell airdrop. And so, to what extent uh, does that factor in here? Do you think USDC will have some sort of uh, tr- treasury product, or uh, you know, what do you think about tokenized treasuries? Does that does that factor in at all? Nobody's figured out how to pass along the yield on treasuries to U.S. based stablecoin holders. And Thank you, Gary. Yeah, that's unlikely to change until he's gone. Um, But Circle will be the closest to enabling that. Um, And these kind of quasi-KYC L2s that are beginning to emerge are likely to use USDC uh, rather than Tether would be my guess. But it's not, you know, it's not one of our predictions that it's a circle USDC yield product, which catalyzes this market share shift. Uh, It's more about on the margin, uh, the institutions are coming this year on the margin, they prefer USDC to Tether and enforcement action versus Tron or Justin Sun might catalyze some Tether market share losses. Prediction number nine, DEXs will hit all-time highs in spot trading market share driven by fast blockchains like Solana and wallets, enabling automated transactions, promoting on-chain trading and self-custody. So this bull market is uh, the bull market of the DEX is what you're saying. All-time highs here. And part of the catalyst here is really cheap, fast block space. Uh, Explain this one for us. Well, you can see following the the Gito airdrop that Solana just flipped Avalanche in DeFi TVL, uh, Optimism and Polygon look next after that Arbitrum. So I think you guys have probably uh, been on the Solana chain uh, and the experience is uh, very pleasant compared to uh, what many people first experienced with ETH uh, three years ago. Uh, And with these airdrops uh, that are here and coming, there's going to be more folks that are using specifically Solana. And I think that is what's going to power the uh, DEX share of spot trading, which peaked around 20% uh, in June of this year to make an all-time high closer to 25%. Um, you know, yep, go ahead. Oh, I will say, uh, so the first time I touched the Solana chain uh, was in April of this year when I bought a Mad Lad. Uh, and then also I touched it for the first time since then yesterday. And everyone's like, oh, this Solana UX, it's so good. It's so refreshing. It's so like, feels, it feels like Web2. And I'll say it's like, it feels like optimism. It feels like Arbitrum. I think the whole entire narrative around crypto right now. But David, totally I don't have a- to bridge. I don't have to like go through all this. David, these are nonsense, your predictions. You know? These are Matt's predictions. Stop. <laughs> all right. No, all right. So, so, push back. But, but you're, this is a general prediction uh, about DEXs, but you're saying specifically DEXs on, on Solana as well. You're not just saying DEX volume is all-time highs. You're saying Solana specifically is a, a big driver towards those DEX volumes. Correct. Um, you know, putting the entire order book on chain is not possible on ETH mainnet. Uh, it is possible on Solana. So the marginal crypto user whose first experience with, is with Solana is more likely to make an on-chain transaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So that these are all predictions one through nine. We still have 10 through 15 left to go, which includes more Solana predictions, which I'm just super stoked for. So we're going to get to all of these and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. 
MetaMask Portfolio is your one-stop shop to navigate the world of DeFi. And now bridging seamlessly across networks doesn't have to be so daunting anymore. With competitive rates and convenient routes, MetaMask Portfolio's bridge feature lets you easily move your tokens from chain to chain using popular layer one and layer two networks. And all you have to do is select the network you want to bridge from and where you want your tokens to go. From there, MetaMask vets and curates the different bridging platforms to find the most decentralized, accessible, and reliable bridges for you. To tap into the hottest opportunities in crypto, you need to be able to plug into a variety of networks, and nobody makes that easier than MetaMask Portfolio. Instead of searching endlessly through the world of bridge options, click the bridge button on your MetaMask extension or head over to metamask.io slash portfolio to get started. Introducing GMX V2, the deepest on-chain futures market to trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and leading altcoins. With the launch of GMX V2, enjoy the best of both worlds. Lightning fast trade execution, competitive pricing without having to compromise on custody. With 150 billion trades settled on-chain and over 500 million in liquidity across Arbitrum and Avalanche, GMX is the preferred destination for DeFi traders and community liquidity providers. Right now, over $12 million in Arbitrum grants are being distributed to traders, LPs, and developers building on GMX V2. There's never been a better opportunity to experience the future of crypto trading. GMX and its ecosystem of integrations continue to move us forward. Your wallet, your trades, your choice. Trade on GMX with the exclusive bankless discount code in the show notes and benefit from 10% lower fees. Try it out now at app.gmx.io. You know Uniswap as one of the largest decentralized protocols with over $1.7 trillion of trading volume, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap X is the newest product from Uniswap Labs, which aggregates liquidity across the ecosystem to give you the best DeFi trading experience. The best part, it's gas-free and MEV protected. The best prices, zero gas and MEV protection all rolled into one app. So head over to app.uniswap.org, click the gear icon on the swap page and make sure that Uniswap X is toggled on. And if zero gas trading on Uniswap wasn't enough for you, the Uniswap app is now available on both iOS and Android. Start swapping seamlessly with products from the most trusted team in DeFi. Visit app.uniswap.org to get started today. And we're back starting with more Bitcoin stuff. We'll get to GameFi in a second and then Solana after that. Prediction number 10, Bitcoin yield opportunities driven by remittances in smart contract platforms. I will say I did not have this one in my bingo card for this episode. Uh, Matthew, unpack this one. What, what is this uh, emergence of Bitcoin staking prediction? Yeah, the Bitcoin yield will be a thing again in 2024. Uh, remittances will emerge as a killer blockchain use case. They always have been, but easier off-ramping and spending of stable coins will make it re easier for the recipients to monetize their remittances. And given the use of Bitcoin and layer two lightning network in some remittance cor quarters, Bitcoin staking will become a narrative in 2024. So where, where does the yield come from in staking? <laughs> it comes from channel fees which are low, staking to lightning nodes happens today, but it is risky and has low return because your Bitcoin is used for payment settlements on the lightning network. But there are new protocols that abstract some of the technical nuances of managing these lightning nodes. Uh, there are also federated self-custody solutions that are on their way out. So users should be able to participate in the remittance market from cold wallets and earn some yield. Uh, that yield may be low and it may be hard to do, but I think I think that'll be a new narrative for next year. Uh, and there's another Bitcoin yield narrative, uh, which is 
um, using Bitcoin as a provider of security to proof of stake blockchains like Babylon. You may have seen their mm -hmm. capital raise yesterday. That's a mm -hmm. Cosmos based chain that allows Bitcoin holders to earn yield, offering non-custodial staking of POS chains. Uh, so so you're, just you're making a prediction on the Bitcoin app layer. No, I mean, that's not. That second one is not. That, that second one is basically like, Babylon is like an eigenlayer uh, sort of yeah, exactly. play for, for Bitcoin. Yeah. And you're actually using the monetary value of Bitcoin to secure an entire chain. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean kind of the app layer. But, yeah, but uh, app layer expansively is how I would say that, yeah. Yeah, but I, what, I, what I did here is uh, the year of lightning for 2024. And I've heard that in so many predictions for a very before. long time, Matt. <laughs> is it finally going to happen? Like, like why, why hasn't Lightning taken off in the past 10 years? I think it's too decentralized and there's been no like VC driven uh, driving force to power this thing forward. So everything just kind of takes more time. Uh, but I've been pretty impressed with some of the um, protocols that I've been looking at. Like one is Amboss, which uh, basically makes a market for lightning channels so that you can sell your lightning channel uh, and, and earn a yield and vice versa. Um, these federated self-custody solutions like Fediment, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a slower ramp, but when it takes off, there's going to be a big market for yield on Bitcoin. Uh, so this is kind of a sleeper uh, for next year that Bitcoin holders will finally be able to earn some yield and participate in an array of other productive use cases for their Bitcoin from self-custody. That's the key, self-custody, because Bitcoin yield was a thing last bull run, if uh, folks remember it, 2021, except in the form of Celsius and BlockFi, and it all got rugged. So uh, hopefully Bitcoin holders will, will learn their lessons this time and only trust the self-custodial ones. Um, all right, let's talk about prediction number 11. A breakout blockchain game may surpass 1 million daily players. Uh, Mutable X is poised to climb market cap ranks with key releases and the Mutable Passport, streamlining wallet usage and enabling wider adoption. Um, I think 2024 could be the year of the blockchain game, but but it's, um, you know, games uh, are notoriously difficult to build. Uh, it takes time. Uh, but explain this prediction. You think 2024 GameFi could, could make a resurgence? Yeah, so there's been 14 billion dollars of investment into web3 gaming over the last three years and the best we have to show for it so far is uh alien worlds which is a game on the wax blockchain who's heard of that uh they claim 400,000 daily unique active wallets we think the majority of these are probably bots farming the tokens due to the simplicity of the games um, so our call is that from this 14 billion dollars in investment uh, a real breakthrough game will emerge that can surpass 1 million plus daily active users which is still quite a small number in the context of the overall gaming market, which is two hundred billion dollars a year, uh, and here we're just we're going with the with the largest player. Uh, Immutable has multiple AAA games being built on their platform that implement token models that can't simply be farmed. It's where the games are truly fun to play. Uh, so these titles have been building for several years. They have more than $100 million in funding. Uh, a number of them are being released 
next year. Uh, we also like their uh, wallet management. They've got this passport that allow you to log into games and manage uh, all your blockchain items through one single sign-on process, which abstracts away all the blockchain interaction. Uh, they've got distribution partners like Epic Games and GameStop. Um, so the call is that one of those titles uh, becomes a mainstream hit. Okay. And if one of those titles becomes a mainstream hit, can you tell me what that is bullish for? You're, you're calling out specifically immutable. So message received there. Is there anything else that, that benefits from this aside from obviously um, like the game, the winning GameFi uh, games themselves? Uh, well, that would be any... ETH, sir. I'm ready for it. ETH? <laughs> what? The forgotten asset. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd be ready for it as well. Uh, speaking of ETH though, let's get to number 12, David. What's this one? Yeah, number 12, Solana outperforms Ethereum. Wow. And researching DeFi TVL. <laughs> <laughs> this analysis foresees Solana becoming a top three blockchain by market cap. And I think it's not far off. I think only one other chain, um, Binance Smart Chain, I think is ahead of Solana uh, before it needs to flip Binance to uh, dethrone it and get itself into number three. Uh, talk about this uh, prediction. XRP, Matthew. sir. XRP. XRP, also excuse needs me. To be excuse, I, I yeah. would be remiss for forgetting XRP, I would say. How dare you? Um, well, the, part of this prediction also is that Solana will join the spot ETF battles. Uh, we think a number of asset managers may In submit this cycle. filings. That's you know, that's no comment on our own plans. And one one uh, headwind I would uh, highlight to that call is that there is no Solana futures market on the CME. So. Uh, that problem may have to be fixed before they can be a Solana ETF. Uh, but look, the chain continues to take share. Uh, we think that the uh, Solana-based Oracle Pith is a better model than Chainlink. There's an out case for Pith flipping Chainlink in total value secured next year. Right now, the, those numbers are 15 billion versus 2 billion. Uh, and um, we think there's a couple of genuine innovations that Pith has brought to the market: the pull architecture, their confidence interval system, uh, the 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 uh, the self custody trading experience on Solana just continues to impress us, and uh, we think it's pretty clear that they will take share next year again. I, uh, I I'm definitely getting a flavor for the Vanak thesis going to 2024, and it's it's definitely pretty heavy uh, Bitcoin and uh, and Solana as a recipient. So do you think uh, Ma Matthew that Solana becomes kind of the vanguard? of uh, DeFi this cycle rather than Ethereum in the layer two ecosystem? And is, is it the big winner uh, in, in terms of the, you know, like new value unlocked in, in DeFi? Certainly from the mar a marginal flow perspective, yes. Uh, we're not making the call that Sol is going to flip ETH uh, either in market cap or in TVL. But, you know, it's interesting when we have these models, right? We came out and talked to you about our ETH price target. We put out a Solana price target. Solana's run quite a bit since then. There's actually the same amount of upside now uh, in our models, both for ETH and Solana. So that would argue for similar position sizes. But one of the interesting things about our, our model for both of these projects is we have Solana monetizing at uh, uh, one-fifth of the rate of ETH. Right, it's a it's a lower cost chain. There's less value th flowing through the token. As the transactions pick up, we think Solana could actually raise prices. Uh, and you know that I guess what I'm saying is that there's more flex to raise our numbers for Solana than there is for ETH right now. Uh, and we've got about a five x uh, return for both, uh, given our current price targets.
not not to go down a rabbit hole, but we will include a link to that report in the, in the show notes. One quick question there: when when you guys are thinking about fees generated by Solana, is it primarily uh, through through the form of like MEV, like block ordering type sales, rather than than fees, or do you do you also think um, you know? I think you just said that fee, fees would go up too, and actual user fees. But is there a higher proportion of like MEV from Solana? Because that's sort of how I think about Solana's yeah, eventual value proposition. Yeah, we have a higher percentage of the value coming from MEV in Seoul than for ETH. But our um, our our uh, foundation is that Solana is building from an abundance mindset and keeping prices extremely low at the beginning to catalyze activity, uh, and that will set them up to be able to monetize more fully and raise prices uh, after the activity comes. Whereas ETH is kind of starting from the high price and then looking to cut prices. Uh, it's kind of an opposite approach. Okay. Let's talk about uh, prediction number 13. This is uh, D-PIN, meaningful adoption of D-PIN networks, especially HiveMapper and Helium. They'll see increased adoption with HiveMapper mapping significant distances and Helium's 5G network expanding rapidly, offering cost-effective alternatives to traditional infrastructures. We actually haven't done a lot of content on Bankless uh, about mm -hmm. DPIN. Could you maybe explain what it is at a high level, Matt, and then get into uh, what you're predicting here? Sure. Uh, HiveMapper, in my opinion, is the best example of a decentralized physical infrastructure network. Basically, they are trying to replicate Google Street View in a bootstrapped community-owned network. And once the map is built, then anyone can come and license that API, just like a Google Street View customer would license the Google API. Uh, and uh, fleet operators like UPS or FedEx who pay Google millions of dollars to embed that mapping API into their uh, like built-for-purpose uh, 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 delivery apps will end up spending these honey tokens and you've got this virtual cycle. So I, I bought one of these dash cams right when they came out, like 16 months ago. Uh, you mount the dash cam in your car as you're driving around, it's mapping all your environment. And every week you get these honey tokens that are airdropped to you. There's a, a curators in the middle who ingest that data, uh, scrub the license plates and other kind of privacy information. They get paid honey tokens for collating and cleaning that data. And then the third side of the network is anyone who wants to license it. And the, the mapping business is like a $15 billion annual uh, top line industry. It's dominated by three players. So it's a oligarchy. They, they charge very high rents. Uh, and we think that a project like HiveMapper can offer considerable consumer welfare by giving the same data or even better because HiveMapper is going to sell real-time data uh, at uh, a cheaper price. So I, I just want to disclose we do have a position in, in uh, this token um, in one of our strategies. One thing I was learning when I was uh, diving into the deep end world, Matt, is there's like 30, 40, like there's a ton of projects out there. Uh, until like I, I thought there was like a handful of them, and I've heard of Helium. I heard of the Hive Mapper. I go in there and like I look around. It's like there's way more than I thought there were. Yeah, there's even a Coin Market Cap segment. There's even a Coin Market Cap uh, sector that they just uh, put on their site to capture that that ecosystem cool. as well. So. Um, you know, our conviction is is mostly with with HiveMapper and and with Helium. So the specific predictions is that HiveMapper is going to map its ten millionth unique kilometer, 
that would be 15% of all global roads capacity. Uh, and as a reminder, they use their native token, Honey, to incentivize these thousands of drivers worldwide to mount right. dash, board dash cams to their cars and then contribute to that growing database. Uh, and for Helium, the prediction is that uh, the network will reach 100,000 paying subscribers for its nationwide 5G plan, which was just announced yesterday. They currently have 5,000 subscribers, so that would be a 20x growth. Um, and, you know, Helium hotspots can be set up by anyone. Again, those operators are paid through crypto rails in the Helium native token. So that's a, a pretty powerful system of incentives. And we think it'll give them some advantages relative to the incumbent wireless infrastructure players. Matt, I understand the bull case for like Deepin and this kind of model is is basically like, oh, you're using it to bootstrap a network basically through, through token incentives. I mean, Chris Dixon has uh, even given this take before. I, I think the bear case though is, is just like a a glorified Ponzi scheme or like a pyramid scheme, which is basically like people are getting paid <laughs> in these tokens, like, but the tokens actually aren't tied to any value. It's not like they're capital assets or anything else. And they're just like going up in price because more people are getting in on, on kind of the, the, you know, the pyramid scheme. And as it goes down, you know, like what's, what's uh, your conviction around uh, that kind of a, a, a bear case that this is just inflated expectations that are hyping up uh, tokens and, you know, like it, it'll go up, of course, and it'll drop back down and all of the network effects will completely dissipate as the value of the token uh, decreases. What's your take on that? I think that's a fair bear case if the demand doesn't materialize. And Helium's first IoT network, the demand never materialized. So, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I call it a failure. Uh, and you need to see uh, folks actually sign up for the for this nationwide 5G plan. Um, and then the other thing I'd say is that some of these deep end projects um, are skating around the edges of, of what is a security versus a commodity. Uh, and that's a risk for um, a number of these projects. Yeah, the token models for these projects do kind of remind me of the 2017 uh, velocity token, utility tokens for their for their projects, which is kind of why I've always pre like been a little bit skeptical with these whole systems. Um, but sometimes uh, old ideas just need to become uh, reintroduced in newer times. So, and maybe with newer blockchains. When I was looking into these deep in uh, the token models, it did remind me of the 2017 velocity token, utility token model, which is always kind of why I approached these newer projects with skepticism. Like I've seen this token model before, but also at the same time, sometimes old ideas just need to be rebirthed in newer times with newer infrastructure. So I will remain open to that. Uh, let's go into prediction number 14. Corporate crypto holdings boosted by new accounting standards. This is not a prediction that I would have been able to articulate, that's for sure. Matthew, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, what is this? Yeah, so the, the call here is that uh, Coinbase will become the first publicly traded company to break out and report layer two blockchain revenues in its quarterly filings. Oh, uh, cool. And we think that base protocol is going to cross $100 million in annualized revenues and become a meaningful contributor to the business. And one of the tailwinds for Coinbase breaking out that business and perhaps denominating it in Ethereum uh, are changes in the accounting uh, standards, which now allow corporates to book mark-to-market gains on their crypto. Um, so it uh, used to be the case that if a corporate bought a billion dollars in Bitcoin and it went down by 50%, uh, they had to take a haircut and mark that Bitcoin down by 50% on their balance sheet. But if it doubled again back to... Um, 
back to a billion dollars, they weren't allowed to book the gain. So for a lot of Why? companies, that's, that's just the way it was. Yeah, I don't disagree. Seems dumb. Yep. Uh, so that you know, Tesla and Elon were puking their Bitcoin uh, into the three AC bankruptcy in Q1 and Q2 of last year, partially for that reason. Uh, these new guidelines should make it easier for companies to uh, buy and hodl their crypto. Um, the changes don't take effect until 2025, but they they are they can be adopted by corporates earlier if the corporates decide. Uh, so. It also um, lends some credence to the case that a major non-crypto financial entity like a bank or an exchange could announce a quasi-public blockchain like an L2 and then with bridging capability to public blockchains by like regulated authorized participants. That might be a 2025 call, uh, but you can look at SockChain, for example, um, announcing a, a stablecoin yesterday mm -hmm. uh, in Europe as uh, some evidence that we're, we're on the way. And these FASB accounting guidelines will make life easier for corporates that want to get in the game. So I think if FASB accounting guidelines sounds really boring to you, Bankless listener, let me let me also explain that in, in another way. So what Matt is saying, what he's predicting is basically um, corporate uh, like upside in crypto that we've not seen before. So in, in the case where with the accounting standards, uh, you know, in previously, previous to 2025, if a company purchased Bitcoin, Ether, some sort of crypto asset on their balance sheet, right, uh, and it goes up. Like they can't mark that to market. So it's like there's there's not the benefit to them. They also um, don't have a model for how a layer two um, like actually works. And so Coinbase is kind of, because it's a publicly traded company, it's going to start help teaching TradFi and Wall Street how uh, revenue generation can work in the world of DeFi because the base layer two is going to start throwing off some fees. So all of that, uh, is basically a predictor of of corporate adoption of purchasing crypto assets, but then also maybe using blockchain in a way to to produce revenue in the way they they haven't previously. Let's get into prediction number fifteen. This is the final prediction of the report. DeFi's reconciliation with KYC regulations. I already don't like the sound of this. Uh, it sounds like we are uh, having to kind of come to terms with the powers of the nation state. Is the vibe here, Matthew? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, so the call here is that KYC enabled and like walled garden applications that use the Ethereum attestation service or Uniswap hooks will gain significant traction and may even approach non-KYC applications in user base and fees. Um, so U Uniswap is likely to lead enabling this functionality. And we think that'll drive institutional liquidity and volume to the protocol. And that the additional volume from these KYC gated hooks that Uniswap will enable will significantly bolster protocol fees because they'll allow new entrants to participate in a, this version of DeFi without the fear of interacting with uh, OFAC sanctioned entities. Uh, you know, that, we, we think that'll probably help Uniswap reinforce its moat and, and competitiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, but the main call is that um, Ethereum attestation service is a functional way now to verify identity and KYC status. Coinbase has already started to build its on-chain verification service on top of this Ethereum attestation service. Uh, and that uh, should 
catalyze some additional institutional participation. Uh, you, you might not want to call it DeFi, uh, but it's at least trading from self-custody. Okay, so with this Uniswap hook thing, there are hooks that are being developed that um, can be a little bit more expressive with allowing permissions as to who can trade and also who can access liquidity. So there's a potential hook out there that somebody adds liquidity into Uniswap from a KYC institution and only allows for other KYC people to leverage that liquidity. And if they are not trading through that Uniswap hook, then they're trading on vanilla Uniswap in the non-KYC fashion, but they're not having access to that that liquidity. Is this kind of the model that you're talking about? That's right. Yeah. So Uniswap hooks allow individual liquidity pools on Uniswap to check a wallet's KYC status before making the Mm -hmm. trade. And that Mm -hmm. effectively will KYC gate specific Mm -hmm. liquidity pools. Uh, That's launching soon on Uniswap v4. Uh, Now, there's a nuance here, which is that Uniswap is permissionless and immutable. So nothing stops anyone from creating a new liquidity pool without the KYC check. Uh, and you know, having those separate KYC pools and non-KYC pools could fragment liquidity and lead to worse trade execution for consumers. Uh, but we're, you know, it, it's up to the builders to to build hooks. Um, you know, there's one that works with Worldcoin ID now. Uh, I noticed that in the UK, they may need to scan your eyeballs before you look at porn. Like, do you want that? That story just came out this week. Like, do you want the government scanning your eyeballs, or do you want, uh, you know, a decentralized protocol scanning your eyeballs? That's that's a question that people are going to have to make, yeah. and we're going to have to answer. Yeah. Uh, KYC and doesn't have to be government KYC. It can be some other entity yeah. that's doing it. And to be clear, there's uh, the idea here is that Uniswap v4 was vanilla and will not imp- impose KYC. It's just that there will be this extra pool of liquidity that I think won't it won't pull away from current Uniswap liquidity because that's the non-KYC uh, source of liquidity. I think what you're saying is that it will it will actually attract new liquidity that you will have to KYC in order to access. So it'll actually add to Uniswap liquidity because it's a venue for compliant players to provide compliant liquidity per their nation state. And so it's not, I don't want people to walk away seeming like, oh, Uniswap's about to be a KYC app. Is that there's actually going to just be perks. If you choose to KYC, you'll be able to access KYC liquidity. That is right. And, and those hooks should help the protocol reinforce its moat uh, and we think that'll drive token appreciation and maybe a catalyst for the DAO to finally turn on the, the fee switch. Uh, although, you know, we expect those fees to be pretty low. Yeah, that, 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 that's another prediction right there that the governance token actually becomes kind of like a, uh, you know, more of a capital asset. Yeah, just the last thing here. So the, the prediction number 15 is KYC compliant DeFi apps. I could totally see that happen. One question I have for you is whether that is going to be fully opt-in or do you have a take on whether Treasury kind of like comes down on uh, DeFi in the US, for example. I mean, there, there are some draconian measures that could be put in place making non-KYC DeFi front ends basically illegal. And that could happen in the US. Is that part of that, that this prediction or is that is that something kind of like separate? Well, we got to go back to what was it prediction number four, which is how this US election is going to shake out. Um, and if things turn the other way and we have another four years of this administration, uh, then I think it's totally possible that one of these very scary 
anti-crypto provisions that turn miners and validators into financial intermediaries could pass in some type of like defense authorization piece of legislation. Like there's still a lot of negative tail possibilities on the regulatory front that can happen here in the U.S. Um, hopeful that's not going to be the case. One, one quick question on that, though, uh, Matthew, my, my impression has been like, you know, under Trump, uh, Steve Mnuchin, uh, the former secretary of treasury, wasn't necessarily any more favorable on, on crypto than kind of the current uh, Janet Yellen uh, secretary of treasury. And I'm, I'm a little bit worried that across the aisle, both parties have this kind of like AML, KYC enforcement type of uh, streak. And so you might have a, a, like a Trump administration being much more favorable on, you know, like securities and CFTC type regulation, but I'm a little bit worried on AML, KYC and the OFAC stuff that they're both of one unified mind. And that is like, get rid of it. Uh, is that concern valid or do you have a take here? I think that concern is valid. Uh, I think that the difference between four years ago is that Donald Trump owns $5 million worth of ETH now, uh, which he reported it's on NFT his sales. financial disclosures. Cards. He kept the ETH. <laughs> uh, so I think things might be different in this administration, but what you're highlighting is definitely a risk. TradFi investors care about it. It it highlights the fact that Bitcoin is highly differentiated versus all other coins uh, and should be, sorry, this is like heresy on your program, but should still be the largest component of any investor's digital asset exposure. That is heresy on this program, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Matthew, this has been great. I know, so these are all the 15 uh, predictions that you have in your report. Anything else that's floating around in your brain? What's the prediction that you didn't write down? Give me something spicy. Um, well, the one that came true today is that uh, filings with the SEC revealed that the ticker for Vanax proposed spot Bitcoin ETF will be HODL. Here we so go. Here we, we go. So what is this? What is the news? To bring the, the news is that our Bitcoin spot ETF will, if it trades, trade under the ticker HODL. Uh, that is by far oh, yes. the best ticker of any of the proposed 12 Bitcoin spot ETFs. And I look forward to all your support. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be a power law winner as well, you think? Uh, historically, ETFs are power law winners, yes. There we go. Let the games begin. Hopefully, yeah. those games will begin in January. And looking forward to a, a successful 2024 for crypto. Matt, these were very concise, I think, well thought through uh, predictions. So uh, thank you so much for sharing them with the Bankless Nation today. Thanks for having me, guys. Guys, we will include a link to both the Twitter version of that and the document form of that on the VanAck website. Got to end with this, of course. None of this has been financial advice. Despite Matt's fantastic predi predictions, no one can truly see the future, except for David Hoffman, uh, my co-host. He, he knows what's going to happen. But we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.